Well, if you brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and get that out. Open up your Bible apps and get ready, get ready, get ready. Are you ready today? Come on, feel free to respond. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 1 Thessalonians 3, and if you want to get scripture number 2, that'll be Romans chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians 3, Romans chapter 1. I, I want to say some more today about uh, the, the subject matter that we brought up last week. This is kind of a, a mini-series, M-I-N-I. This might be just two parts, all right? Uh, but two is better than one. Scripture says that. I thought there was a verse on that. So. <laughs> and, uh, and so I want to talk to you a little bit more about extreme balance, all right? Well, we, we've, we've discovered that balance in life is necessary from a physical, emotional, uh, how we conduct ourselves. It is also extremely important, not to overuse that word, uh, in our spiritual lives, okay? It's very possible for us to be spiritually out of balance and uh, putting too much emphasis on the wrong things or totally neglecting certain elements that are necessary for our spiritual health and vibrancy and, and growth in God. You might remember that Jesus taught us in Matthew 23 that some matters carry more weight or are more important than other matters. There are, there are some scriptures that we should absolutely spend more time learning, reading, studying, quoting, confessing than other scriptures, right? And if we, if we don't recognize that truth, we're likely to maybe give equal proportion to all verses or uh, uh, or not to give proper attention to some of the major truths of God's Word, and therefore the end result being that we would be out of balance. You know, for example, uh, the Bible speaks of uh, a lot of Jesus. The Bible also speaks of the devil, all right? Well, I don't think it would be right or scripturally uh, balanced or appropriate if we give equal time to Jesus and the devil. (laughs) You know, half the time we talk about the Lord and half the time we talk about the devil. We're just trying to be balanced. Well, that would be an imbalance because Jesus should have way more focus and attention. Yeah? Have you ever been, you ever been to church and half the songs are singing about the devil? I mean, they might be singing about him in a right way, like he's defeated and so forth. and, and, and all. But it's still about him. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't want to talk about the devil that much. Let's give our attention to Jesus and what He has done and, and His great love for us. Uh, but we need to make sure and give a proper attention to these matters. Um, you might recall that uh, I boiled the Christian life down to uh, two elements last week. One was this, that, that it could be described as my relationship with God is, it goes like this, I came to Him and He made my life better. He changes our lives for the better. But then there's another side. And the other side is taking up our cross and following Him. 
And we could give all of our attention to one or the other, and I think we're going to be missing it if we do. That doesn't mean any given message or series or focus couldn't go one side or the other, but in the big picture, it's not all about taking up our cross and sacrificing and laying things down, nor is it all about just receiving His blessings. It is a combination of the two that produces a well-balanced spiritual life. Amen. And, and, and so if we recognize that, then we can identify areas of our lives that at times are lacking, times when we're, we're missing out on something that He wants to do. Praise God. We could say there's what God does for us, and then there's our response to it. Both of those are essential. All right. Did you find 1 Thessalonians chapter 3? Anybody out there today? Cafe service, you got 1 Thessalonians 3? Live stream, you got it? You're not just sitting there staring at your computer without a Bible open, are you? <laughs> okay, let's read here. Uh, chapter 3, verse 10. Uh, Paul writes here, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. All right, notice that language, what is lacking in your faith. He's talking to saved people here. He's talking to believers. And he said, you guys have some things that are lacking in your faith. Is that possible that someone could be saved and yet still lacking something? Okay, obviously that's the case. Now, they're not lacking in their salvation, right? It's not like you're partially saved or partially forgiven. It's not like their faith is lacking in this regard where they don't believe in the forgiveness of their sins and eternal life. Otherwise, they wouldn't be saved, right? But you can be saved. You can receive eternal life. You can be on your way to heaven but still be lacking in other areas of your life. That would produce an imbalance, all right? Uh, but, but Paul said uh, here that he desired to see their face so that he could perfect, so he could complete, so that he could add to their lives some things they were deficient in. So that could be the case. If it was with that church, it could be the case with us, that if we were seeing things clearly that we're deficient in different areas, that we need some attention given to certain aspects of our spiritual lives. I find this interesting, uh, that he said, I want to see your face. I want to see your face. I, I, I can sometimes hear my wife talking to our kids, saying, I need to see your face. Don't you say that? In other words, not just a voice across the across the the the, the house. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to have face to face conversation. Paul's saying this. He said, "I need to get over to you. I'm praying for you guys like crazy. I'm I'm really reaching, but I need to get with you in order to perfect that which is lacking." That that's interesting to me because sometimes we, you know, we set aside and act like it's not so important to have actual physical presence with someone ministering the Word of God. He said, I've got to do this in person. Amen. That's why. That's one of the reasons it's important that we regularly get together. Not whenever, if I can, if I have time, 
every once in a while. Well, oh, yeah, I haven't been there for a while. Let's squeeze it, sneak in. Well, what's the result? There's no condemnation in this. What's the result? An imbalanced life. Why? Because there are some things that need perfected in you, and they happen face to face. All right, look over with me at Romans then. Romans chapter 1. Romans the first chapter. Now, Paul is the same writer here, just like he wrote to the uh, Thessalonians, he wrote to the Romans. And, and, and in Romans chapter 1 and verse 8, he's saying something similar. Verse 8 First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. That's a compliment. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you in my prayers. So you can see again, is Paul praying for the... He prayed for the Thessalonians. He prayed for the, the believers here at Rome. So that's all we need, right? As long as Paul's praying, then that's sufficient. No, that's not sufficient. Prayer accomplishes certain things, but it doesn't accomplish everything. He is praying for them. Yet he goes on to say, verse 10, making request, if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. So again, his desire then is that this church be established. And without his presence and ability to make impartation of spiritual gift, they will not be established. Yeah? So what's necessary in our lives to be established? Sometimes it requires face-to-face. It requires in the house in same proximity, presence with a ministry gift that God will use to make impartations into us. Again, someone might say, Paul, hey, dude, there's no, there's no distance in the Spirit. We'll just pray it into you. We'll pray it out. We'll pray it in for you, and everything will be fine. Now, is there value in praying for and praying out and praying through? And totally, we do this all the time. But that doesn't mean that that should take the place of let's get together so there can be some impartation. Does everybody see that? How many know you don't, you can't lay hands on someone that's not there? How many recognize there is an, there is an atmosphere and an anointing that, that comes into a place like this where the Spirit of God moves? And in that place, God moves tremendously, and and changes happen. Yeah, I don't think I don't think some recognize the the reality of uh, of a move of God's Spirit, and how it is localized in diff- where it. You know, there's God's everywhere, but He's not moving everywhere. And sometimes, in, if you're in the locality where God's Spirit is moving. Uh, then changes happen. Yeah. I, I remember, I know some people, and they, they were in a service, and, and, and in the service there was a, a, a call. There's quite a few people there, and a, a call, a word of knowledge 
for people to come and receive prayer who wanted uh, to get pregnant that were having difficulty uh, conceiving. And and in that uh, in that time, the, the person ministering made sure to say, well, those who want to come, come. We're going to minister. We're going to lay hands on you for this. And he said, he also said, though, if you don't want to get pregnant, don't come up here. Because <laughs> he recognized the, that the, the anointing was powerful. And, the, and I know this of this story because of the people that were there. And one of them, in, you know, they, they wanted that. They needed that. And they wanted to conceive. And, and, but they talked a friend of theirs into going with them because they didn't want to go down there alone. And you know where this story is going. They were done having kids. I mean, their kid, you know, their kids were uh, in their teens, I think. And guess what happened? Totally. <laughs> and they got pregnant. And they had another baby. But it's not like they weren't warned. The things of the spirit are very, very real. I, I remember being in a uh, being in a service one time, and and I'm I'm standing I'm in this section. I wasn't ministering. I was there to receive, and uh, I was in this section with a bunch of other pastors and ministers. My wife was there, and uh, she was sitting to my right, and uh, and we were there. And and the the person ministering at one point came over to uh, this section where we were. And the presence of God was powerful. The anointing was on him. And at one point, he uh, went just went like went like that to our section. Just went just like that, and everyone to my left fell out into their seats, and it was a straight line that ran right up the middle of me. Everyone to my right was unaffected. Everyone to my left, when they, when that went, the, the power of God went out, and they all went, whoo, and fell back into their seats. I was on the line, and literally, I felt the power of God went right up half of me. I went, whoo. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, nice. And I stood there and, st- I mean, the things of the Spirit are, are more real than physical things. I mean, just like you could maybe turn on a fan or something, it could hit a certain section, but not another. Uh, and, and God was moving. I didn't plan on saying all this today, but, you know, it's good, good, good to help us recognize uh, some of this. How did it work into this anyway? <laughs> well, Paul said, I, I want to see you. He said, I'm praying that I can get to you. In other words, it couldn't be, this couldn't be prayed out from a distance. There was an impartation that needed. For them to be established, they needed spiritual gifts. And for those spiritual gifts to be imparted to them, he had to be present. They had to be present. He had to be present. Amen. And thank God for other mediums that we have. We're on television. We're live streaming right now. There's a certain degree of benefit that can be received from that, and that's why we use it, and we continually will use these methods. But how many know it doesn't take the place of actual proximity, being present. And that's what we see. Paul recognized this, and again and again, he would talk to their different churches, and he's writing letters to them. So he's communicating and teaching by his letters, but he said, you know what I really need? I need to get there and be with you. Because when I get there, I can perfect what's lacking. I can 
impart a spiritual gift and you'll be established. Yeah, but what's the purpose? It's, it's a recognition that many people at different times in life are missing something. They're lacking in a certain area of, of their life and the Lord wants to balance us out. And you get balanced, you stop growing crooked. Amen. We have a, we have a, a tree in our yard. It's a sad tree. Because half of it is dead, or at least appears to be dead. And the other half looks fine. I bet everyone who drives by says, they got something wrong with their tree. That tree is not, it does not look right. It needs some help or it needs to go, right? And uh, I wonder if we ever look like that in the spirit, spiritually. I mean, you look at us from one side and, wow, they've got it going on. You look at them from the other side, yikes. They better get in church. <laughs> they, need, they need some help. They need some laying on of hands. They need some truth. They need some impartation because their faith is fine in one area, but it's not fine in this other area. And, and therefore, overall, growth is hindered and, 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 and life is, is limited. Amen. So I can see this, that the Lord will do this here, uh, but he, he's done this through history. You can look, if you are very familiar with church history over the last hundred years, even in our country, you can see that, that the Lord brings at times revivals of certain missing elements in the body of Christ. Uh, uh, if you were around, I wasn't, but during the late 40s and the 50s, uh, there was a great healing revival going on in this nation. There were many prominent uh, ministers and evangelists and, and prophets and so forth that would travel. They had big tent meetings and thousands of people would gather in tents uh, for these meetings and healings were galore. Some of those, I mean, video was pretty limited back then, but you can see some of those videos if you search for them today because of the internet. Uh, but healings galore, just massive amounts of people being set free from physical problems. And I've heard from individuals that were around during those times, and, and they, they would say it was the easiest thing in the world to get people healed. It's, like, it's almost like breathing, and people would get healed. And, uh, well, why? Why was there a tremendous move of the Spirit along those lines? It's because it was lacking. It's because the average church wasn't seeing anybody healed. And God's heart is for people to live long and strong and be healthy. And, and, and the church had, had either through neglect or through deception or whatever, they had left that part of the gospel out. And it, it was only salvation, it's only heaven, and it's only forgiveness. And, and they left the whole physical part out and said, God said, no, watch this. And, he, and, 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 and again, there's people praying and there's other components to that. But he brought that in and healings galore. And many of us probably myself, have an understanding of healing, at least in part, because of that move. He brought it back to the body of Christ. Uh, you look in the you look in the, in the 70s, and don't get me wrong, I recognize there are parts of the body of Christ that are totally oblivious to that even today. But some of us know, so let's keep talking, keep praying, keep ministering, we'll do what we know to do. Uh, you go on into the 70s, you recognize uh, there was a move that is often referred to as the charismatic renewal. And, uh, and what happened in, in, in that period of time was all kinds of denominational people, all kinds of different denominations started receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
And people are, and you've got Baptists and Lutherans and Catholics and different ones all speaking in tongues. Where, where, where it was greatly lacking and all of a sudden there's a mighty rush and the move of the Spirit and people are receiving Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And it's a powerful thing. And, and, and many churches are a result of that today because of that move of the Spirit. And then the Lord, I, you can see this, that there was a great deficit of teaching in the body of Christ. Many local churches had so little revelation and understanding and the teaching gift was not prominent. And, and, and so people would go to church year after year after year after year after year, and they didn't hardly know anything. I mean, I mean, their spiritual knowledge was really low. They had the same Bible, but how many know, you know, you need revelation. You need teaching that explains things, that opens up, and someone has to know it to be able to say it. And the Lord raised up teachers. All of a sudden, there's these prominent teachers going on television and cassette tapes in the time, at the time were, were widespread. And, and I had friends that, that started churches back in the, in the early 80s. And they said, all you had to do is open up a building and start teaching on faith. And he said, you'd have hundreds of people overnight. Because, because, and they were Christians, not people getting saved necessarily. People were so hungry to be taught the Word of God. And, and, and there was a great deficit. Well, the Lord brought these things back, and, and many of those things still exist today. They thrive and flourish, but there was an imbalance in the church, and He helps us, and He's still helping us today. And I see a great move of the Spirit, of the Word and the Spirit together happening in our day, where there is both teaching and signs and wonders. There is a move of the Spirit and great solid foundational truths that establish people on the rock. Amen. And so I'm, I'm thankful for all these different uh, ministries and the, the Lord helping to bring us back into the middle of the road and not live in a ditch. I, I, I can see that that uh, in the in the church and the body of Christ, it's very common for us to emphasize one thing and neglect another. Uh, for example, do you know the New Testament speaks a lot about teaching and preaching, teaching and preaching. So what do we need more, teaching or preaching? Well, really depends on where you are in your life, but we need, as a whole, we need both of these. You know, the Scripture says in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say teach the gospel. Now, does the gospel ever need taught? Sure. Primarily to believers it needs taught, but to unbelievers it needs Sorry, this sounded fun to say that. Uh, It it, it needs preached. You you ever found yourself in a uh, with the temptation when you're sharing with an unbeliever about the love of God that you want to explain everything, and you think you have to answer every objection and every question, and that's the only way. When we solve all the problems and answer every question, then they'll be convinced and get saved. The amazing thing that that's true about the gospel is it goes beyond uh, rationale. I don't mean there isn't a rationale. I, don't, I, I could talk all day long about a rationale for believing in the Lord, and in some cases that's the right thing to do, but it's amazing what God does. It's through the preaching of the gospel. It's called the foolishness of preaching. He saves people. You just proclaim it. He loves you. Jesus died for you. He was raised from the dead, and God will back that, that message up. And he'll confirm it with signs following. And he'll work in people. He'll change their lives. And we didn't. It's like, really? That worked? 
How did I convince you to give your life to the Lord? It was more than you convincing. Because you didn't explain everything. You didn't know everything. But there you go. Seeing very well-educated, highly, you know, mental people. And just the simple preaching of the gospel. And he works with that. And they bow their knee and confess the lordship of Jesus. It's amazing. It's amazing the work of God that takes place in our day. Do we need both teaching and preaching? Absolutely. I, I remember, I don't want to take too long on some of these, but I, I remember in Bible school I had a class, and the, the cl- it was you know multiple times a week for nine weeks, and this class was a, a study of one of the New Testament books. So we're getting in there in and out, day in, day out, day in, day out. My notes weren't real impressive, though. Uh, I mean, the guy ministering was fiery, excitable. He was he was lit up, but he was a preacher. And so he'd stir you up, and my notes had the date, and then a, a line, a sentence, and a scripture, and then, the, then the date. <laughs> then the, you know, I was like, these are not very good notes. I don't even know what to study here. <laughs> and uh, I, and I did, went through the whole class, and it was good, but... I didn't learn a lot. And, and one night I was at church on a, on a Sunday night, and one of the, the pastors in the, at the church was teaching, and he had a real teaching gift, taught on the very same book, that same book of the Bible, but just one message, so it was kind of an overview, kind of overview of the whole book. I had notes galore. I, I learned so much. Seriously, I learned more in one message than I did in that whole class. Why? One was a teacher, one was a preacher. They have a different purpose and a different emphasis, but we need both of these at different times for different reasons in our lives. Amen. One of the other balanced subjects is the subject of grace and faith. I've heard many people say, I'm a faith person. I'm a, I'm a faith man. Other people say, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grace guy. I'm a, I'm a grace person. Well, I think in that case, we probably need equal balance of both grace and faith. So what are you? Yes. Grace and faith. And if you understand how that works, you know, if you only talk about grace, you're only talking about God's part. I can't, I'm not the giver of grace. I'm a receiver of it. He's the giver. So if I'm emphasizing the grace of God, it's what God does for me, freely offered, His outstretched hand towards me. But how many know I've got to have faith to receive what He provides to me by grace? If all I do is talk about faith, then how many know I need to have faith in something? I, I, I can believe but I need to believe in something tangible and real that's offered to me. It is God's hand of grace reaching down and my hand of faith reaching up that creates a connection where God's life comes into my life and I'm saved and I'm healed and I'm delivered and set free and my life has changed. Yeah? But you need a proper balance. Some of you are familiar with Ephesians 2.8. It reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So what's, what saves a person? Well, you, how many know you could answer and say, I'm saved by the grace of God? And that would be true. How many know you could also answer, I'm saved by faith? And that would also be true. But it, it's a combination of these two elements that really uh, allows someone to receive what God has, has given them. 
Have you ever heard of a phrase? Uh, this is a, a, a theological phrase. It, it's called um, irresistible grace. All right, irresistible. I don't believe in irresistible grace. Honestly, I don't, because I think it's imbalanced. I think it leaves out the believing part. It basically has the connotation that if God's grace is extended towards you, then you do not have a choice. It is irresistible. You cannot say no to it. You cannot resist it. Well, newsflash, you can resist God. Unfortunately, I've resisted him before, repented later. <laughs> People resist God every day, and he's reaching out to he's reaching out to the world right now with his grace. What needs to happen? Someone needs to believe. Someone needs to say, "Yes, I believe in you. I receive what you're offering me. I take hold of what you've provided for me." And so it's not just all God. So say if, if if it's really God, then it's all God. It's never all God. I've heard people say, "Well, God likes to move in such a way that that no one else can take the credit for it. It's obviously all Him." I don't believe that either. Why? Because I'm told to give him the glory. <laughs> and if I'm told to give him the glory, then why? And if, if when he really does something, no one can get the glory except for him, then those two statements don't coincide. The reason I'm told to give him all the glory is because there's a possibility that people would give me the glory. There's a possibility that you could take the glory for yourself. So you're told, no, give it to him. Let him be magnified and him be praised. It's because when God works, it's not all God. It's God working through us. It is your hands and his power. It is God that wants to do things in and through his body. And so we're instructed, this is how you handle it. This is, your, this is God's part, this is your part, and this is what you do, and this is how you praise him when it's all done. Everybody okay? You see, you could easily emphasize one side or the other, and I don't mean in any given time that it would be wrong to emphasize one side or the other. There are deficiencies that need built up. But in the big picture, we should see, no, there are multiple parts. There are multiple aspects to all of this. Let me share with you another one. And another one. This is, this is always big on my heart. You've heard me say it a lot. And that is the Word and the Spirit. We need to be balanced when it comes to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Maybe you've heard the old phrase that goes like this, if you have all Word, you dry up. If you have all Spirit, you blow up. But if you have the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. And I'm seeking a perfect balance. I'm not saying I have perfect balance, but seeking perfect balance of the Word and the Spirit of God. How many know there are many believers, many Christians today, all they know about church is being taught? Well, we go and we listen to teaching or preaching what we're doing right now. They do not know a move of the Spirit in their life and in church services. What's happening there? It's an imbalance. It's a misrepresentation of who God really is, and it thwarts or hinders our growth. Yeah. Let me show you a verse over here in Acts chapter 8. Uh, this will uh, minister to some more than others. 
uh, well, all of us, to, it would be helpful to know this. In Acts chapter 8, of course, there was a great revival in the city of Samaria, and, and people got saved. It says in verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? These people received the Word. What's that mean? They got born again. Incorruptible seed by which we are born again, Peter said. They were born again. What did they do next? They got baptized in water. How many Christians stop right there? Well, I'm saved. I received Jesus. I'm going to heaven. I got baptized in water. Period. End of discussion. I'm good to go. No, you're just getting started. I mean, thank God you got the main thing. You got the most important part of this whole whole discussion. You received eternal life, and that's huge, and that's forever. But notice what they did. Immediately after the people got saved, after they got baptized in water, they said, let's get Peter and John down here. They are, they've got a ministry. We'll get them down here, and we're going to get all these people filled with the Spirit. Now, how many, how many people have been taught, well, when you receive Jesus, you receive all the Holy Spirit there is to receive? Well, that's not correct. There's one thing to be born of the Spirit. It's another thing to be filled with the Spirit. Yeah? And, and so that's why we, give, we want to give a lot of emphasis. We want to have a proper balance of not just the Word of God by which they were born again, but also the Spirit of God by which they were empowered to live life. Huh? You know, there are so many more moves of the Spirit than just what happens here on a Sunday morning. I mean, all of our services have a good combination of the Word and the Spirit. And we seek to, we pray that way, we, we, we minister that way, so we don't get out of balance. We want the move of the Spirit. But how many know what takes place on an average Sunday morning with teaching, worship, words of knowledge, healing, uh, salvation? You know, basically those things. That's not everything. That's not the full scope of the move of the Spirit. There are other elements, the things that God wants to do. So I thought this was everything. It's not. It's the reason the Lord has directed us uh, to do a different type of service midweek. It's, it's what we call our believers meeting. And uh, there are moves of the Spirit in that service that don't happen here on Sunday morning. In part because... You know, well, there's multiple reasons for, for for that, but it is intentional. But there's there's multiple reasons for that. Uh, do you know that if you are a believer and the most you've ever spent in as far as time worshiping God is 20 minutes, you might be missing something. I want you just I want you to consider these matters. There are things that God wants to do. There are moves of His Spirit that go beyond sometimes when we are too scheduled or we've got to get all these components in. There, what about waiting on God longer? If I, if I were to take time, which I won't today, I could tell you of experience after experience after experience I've had in my personal life, I've had in services here like we do on Wednesdays, that would just blow some people's mind but they're God. I can, re- I can remember times, uh, I-, I remember times where the Spirit of God moved on me in such a way where it was so powerful, so wonderful, and His joy filled me, and, and it was such an experience of God. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. How many know 
if you don't have that, you could be lacking in strength. That would be an imbalance. I can remember another time I'm in a service, and I go, uh, the Spirit of God starts moving, and I go, and I hit my knees, and I'm not normally this way, you know, just personality-wise, I guess. Uh, but I go, and I hit, I hit my knees, the Spirit of God moves on me, and I'm bawling like a baby. And it's not a negative thing. It was hugely necessary and positive. And I think, what if people don't ever know how he works? How some, and I'm not saying you have to do that. That's, I don't have a script that says you need to do it exactly like that. But there are experiences of God that a move of the Spirit will bring in your life. But you've got to be in the right place at the right time and, and know what to do. But how many people don't know a move of the Spirit of God and they're emotionally bound? They've got bondages in their life. I mean, you should have been here Wednesday. People are getting set free. It was cool. They don't know how God wants to move in their life and set them free. There are other moves of the Spirit. Let me say this. I guess I'll be done with my notes. But I remember years ago, a, a couple came to me. They're, they're, they're friends, and they're part of a, 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 a different church. And they had, they had at one point in their lives been a part of a church that I would say is similar to ours. In other words, they know the move of the Spirit. They have gifts of the Spirit. They know God works today. They're not just saying, oh, yeah, it'll be good in heaven someday. Uh, <laughs> good luck till then. Uh, they were a part of things, and, and they took you know, had some offense or something that we went away from that. And they were still believers and going to church, but the church they were involved in didn't practice anything beyond, you know, live a good life and fruit of the Spirit and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. And they had some real problems in their life, real serious issues that honestly, I'm telling you, it's demonic. It's, de- it's just like you read in the scriptures, demonic oppression and so forth that going on in their life. And, uh, and they didn't know how to get free from it. And there was no one around them that knew. What do you do in a situation like that? They removed themselves from everyone who could help. Meaning, on that level. I don't mean they're bad people. But they didn't know anything about that. What do you do in those situations? And I thought, you're going through all these problems and all these struggles. If you would get someone around you who knew their authority in Jesus' name, who had the gifts of the Spirit, knew about anointing, we could, they could get you set free from that problem. Amen. But what if you don't know? What if you're not around that? That's why this balance is essential. Amen. We could talk further if we had time, but about giving and receiving. You could emphasize one or the other and be out of balance. Paul told Timothy, study or be diligent to show yourself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word of God can be rightly divided or wrongly divided. It can be separated in a wrong and improper way, or if it's done right, and listen, you have to be diligent to get to that. It takes some, some real diligence to, to understand, not just a surface reading. Amen? But I seek in our house to the best that we know how, best that we can, and thank God for His grace that helps us to provide a balanced meal over time. Not every service. Some services are all beans. Some services are all 
What? <laughs> Ice cream? Okay. Uh, what, but in the big picture, I seek that the Lord would guide us so we, we, can, we can fill those gaps. Perfect that which is lacking. Impart spiritual gifts. Huh? If you've never had hands laid on you, come on, man. This, some, God wants to put some, put some stuff in you. Boom.